Deputy coroner or a coroner, you know, a, de a coroner is an elected official. A deputy coroner is, is uh, do this, have the same duties basically, but we are offered the position and sworn in. So uh, the county hires the deputies, the coroner is elected by votes, right? So basically the job that I had we would be paged out for any uh, suspicious or, um, I went totally blank, oh my God, suspicious or um, unwitnessed deaths. So, And then we would go to the scene, which then became a crime scene. The coroner, I'll refer to what I was, the deputy coroner, we have uh, control and possession of the body, whereas the police, the detectives, law enforcement, have possession of the crime scene. And then in unison, we all work together. The coroner pronounces the time of death, um, does draws fluids for toxicology. They determine whether there's going to be an autopsy. They, well, both the police and the coroner, depends on the case, would be the ones to notify the family of the death. We, as the deputy coroner, would bag and tag the body. Uh, wait for transport to come. So there was just a lot involved with that position. We did not do the actual, we didn't do the actual autopsies in our county. They were sent down to a morgue in a city that was close by pathologist. A doctor would then do the actual autopsy and then the body would go to the funeral home, the funeral directors, and they would do whether it was going to be a burial with embalming or cremation. But my duty was more to rule out that there was any foul play. So basically they say coroners are the voice for the ones who can no longer speak. Mm -hmm. So it would be accurate really to say that you, you worked in forensics as well, in a way, I suppose. If, in, in the yes, loose... but I'm not a doctor. No. Yeah. What sort of training did, did you need to undergo to, to have a position like that? Did, did you have to have any spe special scientific kind of biology-based understanding of or, or de degrees in anything i don't know how how all that works i'm, I'm certainly not a uh, a coroner by any means i, I couldn't I, I couldn't do it i must say <laughs> well depending on the county uh, um i'll speak directly to the county that i worked for um you did not have to have any medical background however the Deputies that were working on the team or uh, on the in the county that I worked in, they all had backgrounds in either uh, one was a battalion chief for a fire department, uh, another was a paramedic, and then there was a chaplain. Myself, I had some medical background where I was a medical assistant uh, for two nephrologists. Nephrologists are specialists that work with patients that have like diabetes or um um, kidney issue, kidney problems, and end up on dialysis. So I had that background. I also worked up at a hospital as a clinical clinical technician on a neurosurgical floor. So I was more with um, the basics of rooming patients and taking their vitals and things like that. And then I also had uh, worked as a victim crisis responder and that's actually where I met one of the coroners. And, and a victim crisis responder, we'd have pagers, 
it was more of a volunteer basis, but then any pages, it could be anything from a domestic abuse up to a, a death. We'd be paged out and we were there more for the support of the loved ones of the, the person of whatever was going on, whether it was helping them if they were in shock from whatever the case was to help them make phone calls or perhaps just um, comfort them, ver you know, in ways of maybe bringing teddy bears to the children. And so it seemed like many of the calls that I was on, I would be asked if I would help with helping to remove um, the body when it was a death, just for the hand, hands-on. And so one of the coroners had seen how I was working with the families on many of the cases. And we struck up a conversation and I'd said to him, it was a fascinating job. I was never one, like growing up, death scared mm. me. I wasn't the one to seek out the, the scariest or the terror and, and um, horror genres of films and books and movies. I was like, ah, death. But I had such, I had such a, and a desire with the compassion to help the ones left behind and the decedent if they if their life ended by the hands of another when it shouldn't you know they should not have um ended up the way that they did so uh, about a year later the coroner after we'd had that discussion on one of these cases i'd said i'd, I'd be so interested if you're ever looking for a deputy about a year later he called me he was considering hiring on another deputy but I actually shadowed him for about another nine or 10 months and he did some training on the job. And I basically think he was uh, checking, testing to see if emotionally, physically, psychologically, I could handle the cases, these death cases. And then after that period of time, I was offered the position, I was sworn in. And so then I was the deputy for eight and a half years. Mm -hmm. And in that time, you developed a... Um... A very strong belief in in continuation of consciousness after death. So I so I well, believe. It, excuse me. Uh, yes, um, I was raised Catholic, and and um, so of course that was uh, life, death, heaven, hell, purgatory, right? But in that position, there was as time went on, and I became more aware. I mean, you were very in tune to the the environment. And when you're working with death, it is unlike any other, like you see it up on the big screen. That's different than when you're hands deep surrounded by death. And um, I noticed things were happening, um, paranormal things were happening. Apparently, a lot of what I was told, because at first it's like, well, it must be just part of the job. Let's say things, for example, like um, things knocking over in, in my home. My sons were experiencing things. I was seeing uh, the shadow man. I saw the shadow man a couple of times. Just a lot of things that were inexplainable and a little frightening, but as time went on and things would happen on the scene, the death scene, so there were witnesses around. It wasn't that I was imagining things or losing my mind. It was getting the better of me. And uh, as time went on, I realized there is more to this. Our body is, is just, as they say, a meat suit. 
what we are is energy and vibration and our souls. Our souls will continue on. And I truly believe that there's been too many years of experiences with the afterlife that for myself, I cannot deny it. There is more. And I actually don't fear death anymore at all. It's a beautiful thing. I can imagine it must make life so much easier, more tolerable yes. in a way, I suppose. So did you have any paranormal belief or paranormal experiences before your work as a deputy coroner or, or did it start only when you were surrounded by death, as you say? And what was your what were your beliefs prior to, to, to that? I honestly, in looking back, I really don't recall any circumstances where I thought, oh my God, what was that? There may have been things out of your peripheral or the deja vus, but I really wasn't thinking about that. Mm-hmm spirituality yeah, you know, were just, the afterlife just strange things that happened now and again and coincidences and things yeah yes mm -hmm. and so then once i was a deputy whether it was because because prior to that as i'd said um death scared me and i didn't like the scary stuff i didn't go to the haunted houses and so that was something that i steered away from funeral homes scared me i can years ago because my background had been for many years in the corporate travel industry, working with government and, and corporate accounts in arranging their travel. And there was one day that I was making a, a run to a funeral home for a, a funeral home owner. He had some tickets back when we'd print tickets many years ago. I walked in, the funeral home was a little dark and I, I was nervous. I didn't feel comfortable and I could hear voice, voices in the background and I'll try to condense this, but uh, the funeral homeowner, the director came out and he must've seen that look on my face. And he said, what are you afraid of? And I said, uh, fear of the unknown. And he said, oh, here, let me show you something. And he took me through this little the maze of hallways. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm going deeper into what's scaring the wiki out of me. Took me into the embalming room and uh, turned on. There was no one in there, right? And um, turned the embalming machine on. I could not get out of there fast enough. So when I, I did get through that little tour, he said to me, so now don't you feel better? And I said, no, I don't. I fear it more because now I can visualize what it is I'm afraid of. Right. Uh, and I also worked in a funeral home when I was a deputy. There was were a couple of years that I worked in a funeral home and there were a lot of things that were going on at the funeral home. Um, so I, as the years went on, I just really became very aware of uh, there's more to this and there's a lot going on. And it's been a very interesting uh, and confusing and not confusing but overwhelming path that I've been going down for a few years and even though I'm no longer a deputy the I was told I was like a beacon of light uh, through people that have been connected in the spirituality the um, that group the community uh, because I was compassionate on the scene and I was always very respectful to the decedent they never lost their dig dignity, even though they were had passed away. Um, they were there and they noticed that. And a lot of them, because they they died tragically, right? So you've got 
homicides, suicide, car fatalities, drownings, young people, overdoses, they're not ready to die. And some of them, they're confused. And so I was that kind person on the scene and they would follow me home. Most didn't, but many did. But I, it's a daily, daily, I have um, things going on. And it's not just me in my home. Like people will think she's a little, you know, I have had friends that have come over. I have one friend that's out of state that when, when he's in town, he'll come over. He now carries crystals because so many things have happened when he's come to visit that uh, he makes sure that he feels better. He's, he's uh, indigenous. So he's native American and he's uh, very spiritual, but yes indeed i mean you know i can relate certainly to the the great fear of death i mean i you've managed to get past that of course with your experiences i'm still there very much so you know the, the idea mm -hmm. it, it's not so much the idea of the thought of the unknown for me it's the thought of the experience or the non-experience of never existing again consciously for the rest of eternity that terrifies me and I, I can't go to funeral homes or I hate hospitals and you know, things like that. And that's, that's generally what caused, you know, my anxiety disorder, which focuses around health because I'm um, the thought of dying is, is t absolutely terrifying to me. Um, and to some degree that kind of makes me wonder, well, all the research I do into life after death and the experiences that I've heard people talk to me about, you know, am I only believing these and am I being favorable to them because of that fear that's kind of creating a wishful thinking narrative in, in my, the way I evaluate things? I don't think so, but it does make you question because that fear is, is so, is so worldview oriented, you know, is, is, or it's, it's so fundamental, I suppose, to you that it really does, it really can paint your entire experience of life. Um, for me, it's not particularly very nice because it's a fear based, anxiety based one. So it's not very pleasant yeah. to go through, but um, it's it's good that you're able to get out the other the other side of that. Hopefully, I'll be able to get there one day as well. So yeah, I was going to say I've had many that uh, through the years that, uh, and you're right. It's like what you're taught. Now again, like I said, I was raised Catholic, and um, certain religions they don't believe in the afterlife so anybody that has any connection to spirit world or that um believes in it uh has thing activity they think that they're dealing with the lower vibrational they say and i really had a struggle in my my brain my mind for several years because it's like this is what I've been taught. This cannot be, this can't be happening. There is no such thing of once you die, you're done, you're gone. I can't deny it. There's just too much. I've had, I'm writing my second book, which is uh, all about the experiences I've had in the last couple of years. It's amped up. And um, when you think about it, I do believe in God. I believe in a creator. Absolutely. But I don't believe that this is it. This is your one-time thing. There, I think that once you pass, that, like I said, your energy and your vibration, your soul continues on. Um, I've all, and I'm still learning as well. Uh, some say that you're here to for lessons and blessings. 
So if you're, your people will say, well, why would God put me through such a difficult life, lifetime? Because they're lessons. You may have chosen that path before you were born into this life. You need to learn along the way of being the best human soul, I should say soul that you can be, um, love, compassion, kindness, not material things. And everybody likes the nice things. So I'm not saying, you know, if you're into the, the material things that that's bad. It's just, um, there's so much more. I, there's so much more. Mm, that shouldn't be the priority of your, your entire life to achieve material satisfaction, I suppose. So was there any particular experience that you can remember that was particularly outstanding to you, I suppose, or, or life changing for you in, in your worldview in this kind of thing? Well, if you mean what was life changing for me as far as in, with the living, um, I did have a, an uncle that was murdered. So that was life changing and um, many friends that, and as we all have, that have had tragic endings, whether it was car fatalities or suicide, whatever. Uh, as far as life changing in my position as a deputy coroner and connection with the spirit world, and I haven't uh told too many people at this point only the ones that are within the spirituality the community that understand and have also experienced but i think the most outstanding for me oh, there's so many would be that um archangel michael appeared before me and i'm sure people that are going to watch this and hear me are going to think oh she's really out there i would love to do a polygraph you know it 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 was the most beautiful thing, and I hope to experience that again someday. And that was just a few months ago. Actually, I lied. It was just, it was last spring. It was uh, so life-changing, well, impactful. It was the most, and at the time, I just thought, oh my God, because these spirits would appear before me. I, I, I mean, I've had the noises, I've had the voices i've had the orbs i've had doors slam um things knock over i've seen the shadow man but the i went through a period of time where spirit was showing their actual face and i they would not be like on the other side of the room they'd be like you know a few feet in front of me so it was like yeah <laughs> you know and i freeze and so when he appeared at the time i thought well, he's younger and I know I've had cases, death cases with young people. He's got a different haircut. It's kind of like a cross and then like the hair to about there. Uh, it was glow. It was like white around him. And then it, it, I only saw him from the shoulders or it was an archangel. I do believe it was uh, Archangel Michael. So anyhow, at the time I thought, oh, it must've been one of the cases that I had. A few months, several months later, I went with a friend to a, I wanted to experience a Roman Catholic high mass. Now, again, I was raised Catholic, but it, it, I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I do pray every day. And I went to this mass, or we did, and I'm looking at all the beautiful stained glass. It was a beautiful church. And I froze in my tracks because there were um, stained glass pictures of archangels. And one of them had the same hair style 
as the this archangel or Michael or whichever, whomever it was that appeared uh, above me. And I do truthfully believe that it was him. And I believe that we all, we do all have archangels, our spirit guides and our ancestors that are always surrounding us. If you ever get that, they say that gut feeling like, oh, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable about this. Those are your spirit guides telling you, don't do it. It's not a good idea. Don't, don't do that plan, you know. Think about it before you do it. Another very impactful thing that changed my life was uh, in 2019. My father had passed away in 2016 in his sleep, so he had a peaceful death. Uh, but my mother... Oh, it's just that that's, that's good. That's nice. Yes, mm. yeah. My mother in 2019, now they were in their upper 80s. Um, she started to decline. She became very... She had a disease. She had... Um, without going into the medical... She ended up that she couldn't live alone. She went into the hospital and then um, she moved in with me the last six months of her life. So I was her caregiver. Uh, plus she was on hospice. So hospice would come in, but I was there for her, uh, caring for her until she took her last breath. So it was my first time. I had always been around people that were already gone, that had passed away, but I'd never experienced someone actively dying. Yeah. The process. Yeah. And it was emotionally overwhelming but it was actually so beautiful and the night before she went into a coma she went passed away on a sunday so on a thursday night she went into a coma and so and up until that point it was we did a lot of talking she was uh bringing up ancestors that had passed away many many years ago brothers and parents and it was like she was then reliving things that happened to her before I was even born. Uh, there was one day that she was sitting in a chair and even though she wasn't re really eating much, this was before she was bedridden and I brought her a little piece of pie and then um, she was kind of watching TV, more sleeping. I, I came back in to see how she was doing and she hadn't touched the pie and I'd said to her, mom, you should try that pie. It's really good. And she said, well, Larry wants some. Now, Larry would be her brother, my uncle that passed away. Uh, oh, it had to be, I had said at one time, another interview, it was like 20 years, but it was actually more, more like 40, <laughs> a long time ago. And she was looking, her eyes were fixed. And she said, well, Larry would like want some. I said, of course. And I would always go along with her. And I just said, oh, of course, Uncle Larry. And I took the piece, the, the uh, plate and then cut the, the pie up and then said, here you go, Uncle Larry, and set the plate down and she was happy. I went along with that, but towards the very end, um, she went into the coma and she was originally born and raised in Ireland. And I've been over there many, many times as a child. We spent a lot of time over there. And then as adult, I have a lot of family there. And the peat that you would burn in the fireplaces years ago, that there's that smell. I love that smell. It has so many childhood memory, beautiful childhood memories. But anyhow, I'm in the room with her. She's in a coma and I was playing some Irish ballads and, uh, you know, just laying next to her in her hospital bed and kissing her on the cheek and talking to her. And that overwhelming scent of peat came into the room and I knew that our ancestors were there preparing to um, 
to help her transition. That morning, I, the next morning, the morning of her death, I painted her fingernails and her toenails. And as I'm talking to her, I said, there, now you're going to be all set for Papa, who was my dad. He passed away in 2016 and they had a love story like The Notebook, if you've ever seen the movie. They were just, they had a beautiful love. And um, once he was gone, she, life wasn't the same. I painted her toenails, her finger, fingernails. Um, just her breathing started slowing down. I quick called family members. My sister was able to get there on time. She sat uh, at the side of her. I was by her head. And we talked about how Papa was waiting for her and how beautiful her, you know, she was all set. And she took the most peaceful last couple of breaths and then she was gone. But I did, I could, the scent of the, that peat, I will never forget. I will never forget that. It was, and it was comforting for me. So, and, and my story is not the only story. There are so many out there throughout the world that have similar stories where, and you'll see them on the, the internet, people post uh, little videos of loved ones that when they're nearing death, they start talking about ancestors, family that have passed away or there, or God, creator, um, he's here and, and they reach up to whomever they're seeing. That's right, the so-called end of life experience. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there are, there are so many different phenomena surrounding death. As you say, the end of life experience, the near death experience, the spiritually transformative experience, the shared death experience. You know, there are so so many that are so commonly shared and yet seem to just be discounted as as delusions of of a dying brain, which is something that I am more than happy to go along with for the most part. But the one thing that stops that in its tracks is when people see things that they shouldn't know about. Right. Um, you know, whether, and I talk a lot about, it's called veridical perception. Um, I talk a lot about when the brain is in a state where it shouldn't, nothing should be there, you know, and they can see and hear things accurately going on around the room, but not even that, you know, sometimes they're hearing and seeing things when they're out of their body so to speak um, and it, this is in near-death experiences where they come back but also uh, I believe those that kind of lead on to death inevitably and they can see things in other rooms and other other countries in some instances that turn out to be correct and that that kind of thing kind of stops the whole brain delusion dying brain hypothesis in its tracks and yet still it, it's not regarded as as a genuine thing that happens and it's I think it's incredibly sad because it could be such a life-changing discovery for you know humanity as a whole mm -hmm. well and and since like i had a lot of interviews in the last year as i had told you uh, off camera and having that book published my book i've had people that are in the death industry that have reached out to me all over the world as a matter of fact some in great britain that have that are like working uh that are autopsy technicians or funeral directors well even the people in the industry when i was working as a deputy that experienced the afterlife i think a lot of people uh, hesitated in admitting or telling people that and I hope people like funeral directors and anyone, medical field, death, uh, anybody in the death industry, police, law enforcement, 
some are going to get upset with me and not agree, but there's going to be many that would that whether they don't want the public to feel like, oh, they're not very stable. I don't know if I want them, you know, I'm not going to go to their funeral home or I'm not going to, I don't trust this officer because if he's seeing things, but I think whether it's that they don't want people to think that they're not of sound mind or they don't want to scare people, but I don't talk about my experiences to scare people. I talk about it that because every, a lot of people are afraid of death. Like I said, I was afraid of death. You're afraid of death. But when you realize that there's, there is so much more and it can be very beautiful. And of course there's the, the higher vibrations, but there's also the lower vibrations, or as some people say, the dark entities. Yeah. It's the good with the bad. Uh, you just have to pr protect yourself and always be in the, the light and love frame of mind. Don't show fear. Um, speak to God and your, your angels to protect you. There's so much more. Mm. Now I'm curious about I your, get excited um, about it. Yeah. It's, it's a very exciting thing. It's, it's the most fundamental question of, of, of life. <laughs> now, where do we go? What happens? Um, I'm interested in your, your experience with, um, as you, as you believe Archangel Gabriel, because when people think of angels, they will immediately think, white feathered wings and halos around their heads and the Christian, usually it's the Christian version of, of angels. Um, whereas, you know, people that have crossed over and come back in near death experiences or other spiritually transformative experiences often talk about how effectively no religion has got it right. <laughs> you know, there, there are aspects right. that are correct, but you know, angels and, and demons and things like that aren't exactly what they're believed to be. They're, they're spiritual beings who seem to, Kind of show themselves in a way that would make the person that's seeing them comfortable um that exactly do you, is that so do you think when you saw archangel gabriel do you think you saw kind of um an actual archangel gabriel as described in many religions or do you think it was a, a higher spiritual being who was presenting to you in a way that you would understand if that makes sense how do you think that works I, I actually, that makes sense of what you're asking and what you're saying, because I have heard, uh, again, in the community of people that I'm connecting with that are very spiritual, they're on the extension, and, um, you know, the 3D, 4D, 5D, and upwards, shamans, mediums, I have been told that uh, angels, like you said, angels are not what you visualize with the white and fluffy feathers and whatnot, but... I was told by a shaman who actually is so up, up there in spirituality that he had crystals coming out of his hand. He, he works with monks out of uh, Asia. But anyhow, he said that angels, archangels will appear before you, as you said, in a way that will make you feel comfortable and not scare you. I've ha I have had people tell me that angels are actually quite scary looking, true angels. I've heard many things like I'm still learning and I believe in what, I mean, I'm open to what everybody's telling me that has been in that, down that path for so many years. But I do, I agree. I believe that they appear in, before you in a way that won't scare mm. you. And it's interesting because I recall a near-death experience um, from a, a nice, a really nice guy I spoke with called uh, Chris Batts who also wrote a book about his new experience who experienced angels 
and they appeared to him as winged beetles, um, which I believe he said was some form of Egyptian depiction of, of angels oh. or of something like that. Um, so it's curious as to how different they seem to appear to people. Um, and equally, you know, everybody's spiritual experience generally is shaped differently depending on their upbringing, their beliefs, their culture, etc. A lot of Westerners see Jesus. Um, a lot of non-Westerners see religious figures of their cultural religions. Mm. Um, but the fundamentals are all exactly the same. So it does beg the question of whether these are, as you say, you know, appearances to make us more comfortable. Or as, as mm -hmm. most other people would say, a figment of our imaginations. Right. Well, and the thing is, when I was in that church and and the the, the stained glass and the archangel had the angels had that type of hairstyle. It might not have been Archangel Michael, but that's what my mind associated with. It was the same. I don't. Maybe it was Jesus. Maybe it was just a higher angel. I just connect. I I also had some. I keep saying someone, 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 and because because I've been reaching out and trying to learn as much as I can. But there was a shaman that told me he has seen the the archangels, Raphael and uh, Michael and Gabriel, and they appear to him as like uh, Archangel Michael is gold. And he's like, um, I don't remember what he said, like 12 feet tall. So he sees him in a different way. But um, where was I going with that? <laughs> I was going to say maybe it was, it could have been any archangel. I, it could have been any archangel or it was, it was a higher being, whomever it was. I just, oh, what I was going to tell you was that I did have someone say that I did share this with that said, well, you know, Archangel Michael is the archangel that oversees the protection of uh, people in law enforcement and, you know, the public servants, which I thought, okay, that makes sense. Maybe he was appearing because he was watching over me because I had had overall in all of the years that I was a deputy, probably I keep looking off because I'm trying to recall because this has been since 2015. Overall, in the years, probably about uh, not just all on death scenes. There were some that were at hospitals. Some of them were over the phone hospice, but about 2,000 deaths. So I'd been around a lot of death. And um, that's why I believe that it was probably maybe, Arch I say probably maybe Archangel Michael um, just being the protector of ones that mm -hmm. are in that field. I think, you know, the specifics of who it may or may not have been isn't overly important what is important is that they were there to to help you know regardless of who they yeah. are their the intention was was a good one you know um yes so did, did you ever face any well i imagine you would have done um skepticism or criticism against when you share your experiences with others and what kind of thing do you hear retorted to you People that have judged me that don't really know me or have never been in the death industry because of now, of course, I'm out there on different platforms of social media and my book is out there and whatnot. But um, ones that are very set on their own religion and they have no room for 
um, listening to others, it's like immediately, I've been told that I had someone that told me that couldn't have anything to do with me because he believed that I was into the satanic realm and I was a Satanist. And, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't even say the S word, like saying this now. I And I've been told that I should be able to say it. Don't show fear. Doesn't mean that you're of that. And I'm not, a, I'm not saying anything against the ones out there that are. It's just for me, I am a believer in God and I follow God and creator. But I've had people that have, uh, he had said, yeah, I, I can't have anything to do with you. I'm sorry. I was hoping that I could try to save you, but I can't save you. And I thought, I'm talking to God every day. I talk to the archangels. I pray. I'm all about light and love. And I, I feel bad that I'm being judged. But then I think, okay, that's your path. This is my path. I'm going to be true to what I believe in and what, I'm meant to go down the path I'm meant to go down, which is to, if I can share with people anywhere in the world that will listen to me and maybe it'll bring them a little comfort that, that there are beautiful uh, beings and afterlife isn't a scary thing. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful thing to just at least hear me out, hear others. It's not just me. There's got to be something there where there's so many people in the world that are experiencing the same things, just like the near death experiences. Anybody that's had a near death and then NDE near death experience. Yeah. I had to make sure it wasn't saying NDA, which would be a non-disclosure for other yeah. films. <laughs> um, I have a friend that went through an ND, uh, near death experience and he'd had surgery and uh, had issues after surgery. And he said he had a, a son who was quite young when he passed away. It was from a car accident, maybe five or six years old. So anyhow, whatever was going on with him uh, medically after this surgery and recovery, he said he found himself uh, going down a, a tunnel of light. He said it was so, it's hard to describe. He said it was like so beautiful. He said he felt like he was eight. Now he was in his late, late sixties. He said, I felt like I was 18 again. I felt strength. I felt I could see my dad at the end of this tunnel. And then his little boy, he couldn't wait to get to them. But when he, the closer he got, he started getting pulled back and he didn't, he was watching. Well, excuse me, let me back up. Before he started going down the tunnel, he said he was looking down at his body which was on the bed. And uh, then he started going down the tunnel and saw his son and his father and he couldn't wait to reach them. And he said, then he started getting pulled back and he, he didn't want to come back. He wanted to keep going. He said it was such, it was so beautiful. It's hard to describe Donna. He was brought back into his body and he said, do you know what? He said, it was so beautiful. I can't wait to die. And he wasn't depressed. He just, it was, and, and you, if you watch any videos, not you personally, but anybody of near-death experiences, they all basically say it's, the it's same thing. It's a very thing, common re beautiful. response, yeah, that they no longer fear death, but it, in the contrary, you know, embrace it, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. And and a lot of people say they don't, as as you were saying, they say they don't want to, they didn't want to come back. They were forced to. So, uh, you know, a lot of people do, obviously, for their children or their loved ones, but if you really probe them, I think a lot of people would say, actually, you know, I didn't want to come back, you know, 
Right. Well, because life is all about the lessons and blessings. It can be difficult. It's um, you've got love, you've got, well, hopefully not hate in your heart, but there are people with hate, sadness, anger. And once you've transitioned, it's all about beauty and love. And okay, so then now someone's going to be out there thinking, well, then why are there the angry spirits that come around um, and they scare people? How it's been explained to me is that they're not angry. They're, they're kind of in a purgatory or a, a, a limbo. It could have been things in their lifetime that uh, weren't resolved. And so they have those feelings and they're kind of like hanging around. But then again, you have people that say once you pass away, you can either be reincarnated, reincarnated into another life right? And then your lessons and blessings, or if you've become the best that you can be as a soul on this earth and this lifetime, you don't have to come back and you are one of the angels. So again, I'm still learning. And it's what, what do you believe in? Do you, have you heard of either or the reincarnation versus reincarnation? The, um... I see a lot of strong evidence for, and I think it happens. And I, I, I believe that it's a case of as you say learning and, and developing to what end i'm not sure um but i think there is certainly a process there um in terms of heaven and hell i believe hell does not exist at least as the way it's perceived to be um i believe you know you you will go to a certain environment that suits your mind your state of mind at the time of your death based on the experience you've had in life so if you if you went through life a murderer and a rapist and someone who just wanted to harm people you're gonna because your mindset is naturally acclimatized to that way of thinking you will therefore you know um encounter or, or encounter a, a level with other people accustomed to that mindset um, and i think it's yeah. you know I, I think religious ideas of heaven hell purgatory are uh, i mean well i think we're pretty sure at this point that the idea of hell specifically was a fabricated idea as a means of controlling people a long time ago when the Romans got hold of the Bible and things like that, um, which was a very good idea because people aren't going to murder if they think they'll be damned for eternity. Um, so I, I don't believe that at all, really. I, I say there are lower stages of life, but it's not eternal. It's not hellfire, I don't think. Um, I see no evidence for that whatsoever. No. Um, and I think that what ever comes is going to be primarily kind of mind based a lot of people that come out of their body in either willful out of body experiences or in near-death experiences kind of describe that everything's very plastic according to their thoughts the environments change and adapt and come into existence and pop out of existence by by thought so i would imagine that the environments we experience after death are of course based on the level at, w at which we are but are a lot more malleable by our minds themselves which could be very mm -hmm. troublesome if you're in a, a negative state but again yes. you know i think in those states reincarnation is the process of learning where you went wrong and coming back and trying again until you learn the lessons you failed to learn or you know the lessons that you need to learn in order to progress and say to what end that is yeah, and nobody on the planet knows <laughs> 
and probably will we'll never know. No. And the thing is, I thought through the years of trying to understand how I've ended up, not how, but now that I'm on this path, I mean, I never thought if you'd asked me 30 years ago, you know, are you, you're going to be here at this age and you're going to be seeing orbs and spirit and, and, you know, going down this spiritual path, I would have looked at you like, really? <laughs> but if, like you said, if it's the state of mind and it's, um, for me, if there are, there, there is afterlife, I can't deny it, but let's say if there wasn't, if it brings me comfort and I feel good about that and it, I don't have the fear and I, I have peace in my heart and I'm good to fellow man, I think that's, that's just as important. Mm hmm for me i i agree you know what i mean there, there are people who argue and i disagree i disagree with it but people that do argue that you know um the fact that once we die that's it and it's you know life is impermanent that that's what gives it its meaning is the impermanence of it and i can't get around that that idea because the argument i make is well okay so the point is to to make life more pleasurable for the next generations and the next generations but ultimately yeah. the universe is going to expand into nothing no life will ever exist again for eternity so ultimately it doesn't matter whether you're a, a good person an adolf hitler a mother Teresa, or whatever because it's inconsequential because everybody that was ever affected by it or will ever be affected by it will become nothing eventually and i struggle to see the meaning in that i, I get i understand the, the principle of it but in practical terms i just it doesn't work for me and I, I think you know if there is something after death which i hope there is and i think there's enough evidence to suggest there is um then i think that adds so that, that is the meaning you know otherwise i don't see meaning at all and i, I think I life either. would be a rather cruel joke I agree. And why would, who, who, who was the creator? How did we all begin? How, how did it, how did life begin here? There's gotta be more. Why you would believe that we are the only ones on this earth and it's this one lifetime mm. and then that's mm. it. And it, it it's a difficult, it is a difficult problem, the origin of life and the origin of the universe, because the best we've got at the moment is of course the big bang, the theory of the big bang, which is, I can go along with that. That's the the start of matter. I mean, what it was in an infinitesimal tiny speck in in the universe beforehand, I don't know. Um, but when it comes to life, you know, you got abiogenesis, which effectively says that life began in a primordial soup and developed and, and evolved over time again. No problem with it. But then you got things like consciousness, which we haven't got a clue how that could come from something that's just wet and sticky, you know. Yes. And it, it, it's something that, because I think the question of what happens after, after death is often seen as a religious question, but I think that's a wrong approach. It's a scientific question because it's relevant to every living species on the planet and anywhere else in the universe. And I think it's foolish to think we're the only living species in the universe. Just the size of it is statistically almost Im impossible, surely. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think unfortunately science is not progressing or has not been progressing that way because of the assumption that 
well, we, we already know this must be true, when we don't at all. No. And I've, of course, through the years, I've heard that there is a connection between spirit, afterlife, and extraterrestrials. Have you heard about that? Maybe that's, you know, another subject you don't want to go down. Oh, but... we, we can. I've got more than enough time. Extraterrestrials <laughs> is an interesting one because I think if there are extraterrestrials that have visited us, say, on Earth, I think the laws of physics wouldn't allow it to be kind of a, an intergalactic thing or, or a, a, an extra galactic thing, so from other galaxies, because the distances and the time that would be required is just impossible by the laws of physics. So I think extraterrestrials, if they have come here, it would be more an interdimensionality shift rather than a, mm -hmm. a space-time shift. Um, I can much more believe that there are those who have developed technologies in parallel universes or, or other dimensions, other frequencies, that have been able to shift over into ours temporarily for whatever reason. Um, are they yeah. are they War of the Worlds Martians coming in big machines to blow us up? I doubt it. Uh, we don't know because we haven't got the technology yet. Um, but then you get, I mean, it's, it's fascinating all this UFO stuff that's been coming out recently. I I don't pretend to yes. I don't pretend to understand it, but there might, there's there's there's, there's there will be a connection for it because we everything in the universe is connected to some degree I absolutely think. i agree and and mm. i think the fundamental thing that connects the universe isn't matter as modern science would say but i think is consciousness or something akin to consciousness which i would consider god yes yes and like you said there's so much coming out there's so much talk on the like the mandela effect <laughs> What do you think about that? Mm. I'm sorry, I'm kind of asking that's, you that's questions, fine. No, and I shouldn't. It's... Yeah, well, this is why I don't do interviews. I do discussions. It's much nicer. Like, um, yeah, like, did did, P did Pikachu have a black tail? Everybody says yes. No, he didn't. Well, why does everyone think he did then? You know, did the Monopoly man have a moustache or whatever it was, or glasses, or, or a monocle, wasn't it? Everyone thinks yes, he mm -hmm. did. No, he didn't. And, I mean, it's, it is very all pervasive throughout the entire species almost as if there's a mechanism built in to have us forget or misremember certain things and even things like deja vu we don't have a clue what what's causing that why that happens there are many theories a lot of them nonsense of course but but it's interesting <laughs> to think about how they they all may connect i mean things like um, deja vu and possibly mandela effect i'd be more inclined to believe is a is a, a brain correlate you know, is is a matter of, of yeah. the physical makeup of the brain and the way it, because I don't think the brain creates consciousness. I think it filters slash um, interprets the world for consciousness, if that makes sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we, we use such a small portion of our brain. The we've got people that do the um, remote viewing or the astral projection I have friends that do that. I think it'd be interesting, very interesting to try that. But I th that I have a lot to learn mm. on that as well. I, I have tried and failed many times. It's it's not <laughs> an easy thing to do. No, unless it comes naturally. Mm -hmm. And the same with the remote viewing. Mm -hmm. When I learned about that through one of the interviews, and I was invited 
to a, uh, a some sessions on remote viewing. Some of them had uh, done the remote viewing for uh, one of the Olympics. And it's like, how fascinating that your brain, that you have that, that capability, that power to be able to remotely view someone or something going on on the mm. other side of the world and, and not just kind of allegedly so but there is because i'm as you probably picked up i'm more i like to see things from a scientific point of view you know and so so yeah. not from just an anecdotal point of view but there are studies that show it happens and that it happens yes. in a statistically significant way and you know i've, I've spoken with with probably the, the father of remote research remote viewing research um uh stefan schwartz who is very he's a, he's a massive experimentalist you know he, he gathers his views by experimentation and he's done you know so many experiments on remote viewing as well as stanley Krippner, russell targ um i can't remember his partner that did a lot but effectively these things happen and we've shown that they happen consistently and to a statistically significant manner and yet, for some reason, they're still tooted as, as woo. So if we're able to do that, we do have that capability of remotely viewing our brain. We can be on another part of the world. Why can't we leave our bodies and our brain? It's so powerful. Why can't we continue on our energy? Mm -hmm it certainly shows cells and our it would certainly show that the mind or consciousness or perception doesn't need to be limited to within the walls of our skulls or from the views from behind our eyes um right even things like you know psycho um you know psi phenomena where you can affect the outcome of a number a randomly generated number or something like that to show that you mm -hmm. can have a, a, an effect on the physical world by thought and by you know imagination shows that at least our consciousness can interact with the world without needing a physical um, medium by which to do it. Yes, which you just reminded me of, if you don't mind me sharing a case that I worked. It was, um, she was probably in her mid to late seventies and she had some health issues there was a vehicle, it was late, like one, two o'clock in the morning, and there was uh, a vehicle that hit a telephone pole and knocked out all the power. I get a page because there was this elderly lady who had been on oxygen and uh, she lost all of her power and she panicked. And um, she called 911 for assistance and she passed away while she was in her recliner. The phone was in her lap, so there was nothing suspicious. But, of course, I was paged out because it was a home death. It was unwitnessed, right? And we had to work with flashlights because, and it's storming, it's thundering and lightning, and uh, it would have been the perfect scenario for a horror film. I shouldn't say horror with all due respect to, you know, the decedent, but... Um, after I did what I needed to do for the case, the examination was waiting for the funeral home, the funeral directors to arrive to transport the body. The police officers had gone out to their patrol cars. They were doing their paperwork. And I was in the house with the, this lady, the decedent, who they had laid on the floor. 
because when the paramedics came to see if there was any way of reviving her, but she was already gone. And so it was just her and I, and I, I don't remember the exact time, but let's just say it was like 10 after two in the morning. Now, from the time I had arrived and working the case, let's say it was maybe an hour and a half uh, from that when I got there to where I was waiting for the funeral director. And I stood by, well, I was doing part of the investigation, which is to um, document medications, right? And I, I talked to her because I would talk to the decedents and I'd say, you know, I, please rest in peace. And I'm so sorry that this happened to you, I'm sure, which I was saying to this lady, let's say her name was Barbara. Barbara, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. I'm sure you were so frightened, but I know now that you are no longer afraid. You are surrounded by love and God and, you know, the angels. And no sooner had I said that, but a grandfather clock chimed. Now, mind you, I'd been there for an hour and a half and it had, there was no clock that ever chimed. And it caught me off guard and I looked down at my phone and it wasn't, it wasn't like on the half hour, the quarter hour. And I looked over at her and I thought, she's acknowledging that she's hearing me. Her soul is still here. So then another half hour, 45 minutes uh, goes by waiting for the directors. They finally arrived. The clock hadn't chimed again. We were able to, we had her then up on the gurney and uh, as she was being taken out of her home, just as we were crossing over the threshold, the clock chimed one more time. And again, I felt that comfort of she saying goodbye to her home, her mind. I think that her, her, her being, her energy was still there and hadn't left, hadn't gone on to wherever she was going to go. And she was acknowledging which is that just made me think of that case when we were talking yeah. about uh, interacting astral yeah. and yeah, yes. it is. I mean, yeah. there's so many you know stories like that. If you go down your your local street, knock on a couple of doors, you'll find someone who's had an experience like that. You know, you're, you're bound to yes. whether they'll be willing to tell you about it or not. Um, and, and I wonder how many of these who are over the top skeptical about these things, maybe professionally skeptical about these things, have have had these experiences themselves. I know of a, of a guy who um, is a very outspoken atheist and he's very much against anything to do with survival. And he was yeah. telling me in an interview about um, his friend was an astral projector. Well, I think he was at school or college or something. And she told him, you know, I'll come and, and astral project into your bedroom tonight and I'll, I'll tell you what, what I see. So he went home and he set up his beds at a right, he had two single beds. He set them at right angles to each other. He had an old cinema camera with the two reels on the top with the, yeah. And just to try and put her off. And she came in the next day to the school or the college and, and said, yeah, I managed to get into your room. You had your beds at a right, you had two beds at a right angle to each other. And there was a big I don't know what it was, but it was an owl. It looked like an owl face in the middle of the room, which was, of course, the camera. And he said, he said, yeah, I, I, I believed it. But, um, you know, over over time, she came back to me and said, well, she didn't see how that could have possibly happened. So she doesn't believe it. Therefore, I don't believe it anymore. And I thought, well, how, how can I mean, that doesn't make sense to me because it happened and you know it happened and you've remembered yeah. it you know mm -hmm. and yet he's probably maybe it's fear 
Possibly, possibly fear of the unknown, or, or simply he he just is in such a such a, a state of you know skepticism, and it, it's understandably so with with our modern culture that tells you all this is impossible. That he just doesn't see how it could be possible. Therefore, it must have been a mistake or an illusion or a mis misremembered event or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Which is a which is a shame because again, it's clearly memorable enough for him to have to for that to stayed with him but he he just he didn't believe it because his friend no longer believed it and i think that's unfortunate because that would have been an opportunity to really yeah. explore this stuff a bit more um, and he would have done it properly as a as a scientist mm -hmm. you know and i think it's just so ingrained in us now that this stuff doesn't happen you know ghosts aren't real uh, which i'm on the fence about what that actually what ghosts even are but ghosts aren't real no such thing as heaven and hell that's just a childish belief for people who are afraid to die which to some degree i can understand that religion is um and you know all this is just fantastical nonsense that when something genuine does happen regardless of whether there are people you know scientists well-trained scientists who look at it and say we've shown this happens it's just so strongly ingrained that it can't be right that instead of looking further into it they instead looking further into why it must be wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why through the beginning years, I was so torn on this can't, this isn't happening. No, this isn't happening. And then it was accepting what was going on. These things, the afterlife, the things that were happening because my sons were experiencing and I couldn't deny it anymore. But then it's like, I, I want to understand more of why I didn't experience or notice prior to working as a deputy coroner. I thought, okay, maybe it's been happening all along, but I'm just non-believer. And whatever I think that I saw or whatever might have happened, there's going to be a rational, there's an explanation as to why that happened. And now I, my heart is open and um, it makes me happy too, because I no longer have the fear and fear is not a good thing. Sadness, fear, no, anger, no. right? That's right. But I think it, it can very easily slip the other way into a, a kind of an unhealthy belief regardless. You know, for example, it can be very harmful if, if you believe that all mediums are genuine and that none are fraudsters oh, absolutely. because the vast majority are fraudsters cold readers and they will take you for every penny that you can get you know and a lot mm -hmm. a lot of um the shapes you see in the clouds that you say is a face is simply pareidolia you know just seeing patterns and it's not actually a sign and when you fall into that trap of believing everything then you open yourself up to you know false beliefs and I, i'm a strong advocate of genuine skepticism um but yep. skepticism with an open mind you know because and i do yeah. absolutely agree. and if, if you have an experience like this we've recently had experiences that i can't explain my dad is one who once you die that's it it's all nonsense i don't understand why you're looking into this stuff it's nonsense as soon as as soon as he saw a screw unscrew itself and he heard his bin lid fly open it's a heavy bin lid or you'd call it a trash can lid as soon as he saw he saw that i mean it was the screw he saw this, this big um radiator screw unscrew itself he said 
And as soon as he saw that, he said, uh, uh, I don't know, because yes, I can say, oh, well, you know, anyone can say, well, you, uh, yeah, that's your story. You know, I wasn't there. I but he said, but what can I do? I, I saw it happen. I, I have to live mm -hmm. with that now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can't explain it. So what can I do? Yeah. You know, and you can always say to the people who have had these experiences, having you know a book thrown at them from nowhere or something like that. you can always say to them yeah you must have been seeing things or you must have misremembered but that person had that happen what are they supposed to do with that now because no one's going to believe them but they know it happened they know they didn't set any strings right. up they know they didn't set any magnets up they know they didn't edit any video what do they do with that and they've got to live with that now you know and i think you know genuine skepticism is a good thing especially skepticism yeah. of one's own beliefs. And you should always look for a rational explanation before you jump to conclusions. Yeah. Um, I mean, we even went so far as to say that maybe there was uh, a, an air bubble in the water coming through the radiator that might have caused the, the pressure difference to cause the screw to run. But we we're saying that that's, that's no way, you know, it's just, just the likelihood of that is so unlikely that it would be ridiculous to suggest. Well, you know, yes. And I think it's just a human reaction to try to rationalize. And I absolutely agree with you 100% about you have to be skeptical, skeptical to a point. There are many that will take if you're going to believe everything people are there are people out there that are going to take advantage of the situation that you're in your mindset. I have friends that and you know of them um, that do connect with spirit. And I know that they're authentic and genuine because number one, some of them, well, they have told me things that I didn't even know myself. I had to do research with my family in another country, for example. And then I know they're genuine, right? And I've, I've introduced them to a select few that, wanted a connection with a loved one, wanted a reading. And I would tell my friend who connects with spirit, I have someone, I wouldn't tell them if they were male, female, their name. So they couldn't look up anything. And one of my friends, he was a former LA homicide detective. He was crying. She was so accurate on what, she, and there was, she didn't know any, she didn't even know if he was male or female. I, so there are the, the true ones out there and I like to surround myself in the ones that I know are authentic. I have one that I went in because things were happening here and I felt like it was lower vibrational. Again, I have been told I'm like a beacon of light to spirit world where I was, right? And so you get all kinds of levels of vibration and anyhow. He told me uh, things about an uncle that was in the room with us that had, was, uh, he was from another country, Australia. He had passed away and he said, uh, <laughs> William, William Thomas is, is here and a few other things. And I said, oh, well, I have an uncle, William. And I thought, okay, well, he knows I was coming in for this reading. So he might've researched, but wait, how would he know? How would he know? He didn't know the last name. He didn't know it would be my mother's brother, which would be her maiden name, but maybe he researched. So again, I'm being, I'm rationalizing, I'm being skeptical. And then uh, I said, but I'm not sure if his middle name was Thomas. I'm going to have to ask my cousin. 
we went through, he did, he helped me in what uh, needed to be done as far as uh, alignment and all that stuff. And so then with the time difference, I wanted to reach out to my cousin and ask her, what was Uncle Bill's middle name? Because I never knew. And But first I, I Googled his um, obituary. He had passed away, like, let's say five years earlier. And it just had his first name and his last name. I thought, darn, I still don't want to know what his middle name is. And, oh, he had, let me think here. Uh... Oh, it had in there, yeah, just his first and last name. So I reached out to my cousin. Oh, and he had said, I'm sorry, I keep jumping. He had said, tell Maggie, I said, hi. Now, my mother's name was Margaret. And I thought, okay, he could have still looked that up and see, you know, my name. And then it's going to show my mother's obituary, Margaret. So I thought, yeah, okay. Well, I went back to my cousin and I didn't tell her that I was asking her these questions because of the, this friend of mine who connects. And I asked what, his, what Uncle Bill's middle name was. And she said, well, from birth, she said, actually, he never used it. I don't think anybody really knew what his middle name was. And I said, what was it? And he said, William, she said, William Thomas. My jaw dropped. And then I told her that I'd gone to this uh, friend of mine who connects with spirit and her dad and my uncle had been there. And I said, yeah. And then she he was telling me that uh, Uncle Bill had said to say hi to Maggie. I said, oh, mom used to tell me that when they were kids that they would, he would tease her. She, he was the older brother and he'd call her Maggie and she hated that. And my cousin said, well, you know, that was my mom's name too. Now I'd never met my aunt because they had divorced and I hadn't been over to Australia. And I said, really? And she said, oh yeah. And her name is Margaret, but dad always called her Maggie and she hated that. So how would he ever know that? That's a true, that's someone that can truly connect with spirit. Or do you, I mean, what comes into your mind? What my, are your thoughts my, now? My, my immediate reaction would be the same as yours. How could there be any way he could have figured that out? Could he have gone, Googled my name? Could he have found things? You know, what possible avenues would he have had to research any of this? But when it's something so obscure that's not even known to yourself... All, all you have left is coincidence. And then you've got to look at the, the depth of coincidence that would be necessary. And it's, it's difficult because you can always say it was a coincidence. But when you look at the, the level of the coincidence that would have to align in order for that to happen, it becomes less and less and less and less, you know, likely. And they say, you know, coincidences happen every day. Yes, they do. But there's a limit, <laughs> you know, to what would be necessary. Exactly. Indeed. It was jaw-dropping. I mean, I actually, uh, it brought tears to my eyes because I thought, I didn't even know that. How would he, there's no way he would know that. Mm. Uncle Bill must have been there mm. that day. Mm. Well, I'll be interested. Would you would you be able to connect me with, with the, the these two mediums? I'd be very interested to just send an anonymous, if, if they'd be willing to do it. Because, you know, I've got some people very close to me who I lost. Um of course you know i'd say i'd ask them if, if you were to send them an email i'd ask you not to use my name or to tell them anything about me of course as you were to say because that's absolutely the right way to do it i've gone to mediums before one of them oh i've got your grandmother she had knobbly knuckles she used to like baking <laughs> yeah well that, i mean that was wrong <laughs> but that is everybody's everybody's grandmother um and then i went to another yeah. one who was 
pretty much spot on. She said, she said, you know, I can see multiple books. You're right. You're going to write my, at the time I was thinking of writing an autobiography. Um, and I was, I'd started and then I stopped and I thought, well, I, I can I'd maybe finish this book and then write maybe another one about this whole spiritual stuff. Um, and I just forgot about it. And then now I've started writing a fiction novel and people have told me it's the best book they've ever read. <laughs> I thought, oh, awesome. um, because it's the first time I've ever actually tried writing. And I thought, but apparently, apparently <laughs> not. So, uh, and that's now planned. <laughs> that's now planned to be a series. And that's at the time, that's something I thought I'd, I'd never write fiction. You know, I just I couldn't do it. It just completely slipped my mind. Just off the cuff, I thought one night, I wonder if I can do. I wonder if I can do that. And I thought I'd have a go. And it's become now. I'm planning the series. So there's the multiple books. And congratulations. Thanks. I mean, it's, it's a long, yeah. long, long, long way from being done yet. But um, but yeah, it's coming along. But um, so that that was that was very interesting, and I didn't really think about it until I'd started writing them, and I'd started thinking this needs to be more than one book. When I started thinking back and thinking, well, she did say that actually. She did say I see multiple books and I see them doing well, and it's it's just interesting because back then I would never have considered writing a book, outside of my autobiography, which was going to be one. You know, it's see, I mean, there are true mediums or whatever they're psychics that do connect and there's just how would they know back oh my god i had to be like 20 21 many 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 moons ago my sister and i had gone on a vacation over to jamaica and that was back before you know a long time ago so it wasn't touristy like it is now it's a beautiful island but anyhow we had, uh, and I wasn't into the stuff, but somewhere, someone on the beach, a uh, native, he was going to read the car, read our cards. My sister, Terrell, right? Terrell, Terrell. And she, of course, had the year going to get married. You know, she's going to have the picket fence and all that. And then when he read mine, he, he pulled up the death card. At that time, I thought, then for years, it was like, oh my God, when, you know, I'm going to die early, <laughs> something's going to happen. I could be hit by a bus crossing the street and, you know, health things. And I got to the point where I thought I have to, I have to stop being in that mindset because I'm going to be in fear for the rest of my life because this guy pulled a death card. Well, fast forward, I end up working as a deputy coroner. I write a book about death. I'm doing interviews. I'm connected with projects about death. And, but then I was also told that the death card uh, can mean uh, major changes. And I know everybody goes through major changes, but I just thought that was very interesting. And which segues into where I've had people, when you had asked me earlier about people, if they've um, judged you for the connections, the things that the spirit world um, that I'm into, the not so good. And I do not read, I'm not saying that's bad, but I don't, I don't do, read the cards. I've never touched an Ouija board. No, I'd never go neither. near one. No. I don't, I don't, chance trying to get involved with things that can be very scary and can actually harm you physically emotionally mentally and by harm i mean that when you get there are some as you know that's another subject like exorcisms and things like that where 
things come over people and they do things very out of character that are unhealthy and are not in a good way. So there have been many stories that I've heard where people, they're messing around with things and uh, attachments. They get attachments that are not good. Mm. I think, you know, the, the Ouija board and, and ways of summoning spirits is something I I don't know how genuine that sort of thing is, but it's certainly not worth the risk in case there is something no. to it. You know, I just don't exactly. see the point in, in risking something like that for, for just the sake of having, trying to have some fun or just messing around to see what will happen. It's foolish, I think. Yes. And I've been taught, I would always say, uh, evil or dark entity and the ones that connect they're in spirituality they'll say well we don't like to say that we just say they're lower vibrational because you're always going to have the good with the bad and they might be misunderstood because they've had a bad life and like you said when you die if you've got all of these things and these negative feelings and emotions that can carry over into the afterlife that they're kind of in that, not environment, but they're stuck in that uh, mindset. So I try to say lower vibrational. People that conjure up lower vibrational beings, I stay clear. Okay, um, well, I think that would be a good place to end. Because we've we've yes. gone almost an hour and a half, which is which is nice. Unless there's anything else particularly yeah. you wanted to touch on. Um, no, but thank you. It's been it's I've thoroughly enjoyed, and I thank you for inviting me. You see, in the background, I've got that's been up there. That's the book that's been published. Uh, my book, I've seen Dead People: Diary of the Deputy Coroner. It's available on Amazon. Uh, it's been published through Jongler Publishing. There was a screenplay adaption written, so hopefully at some point there will be a feature film. And uh, please keep an open mind, everybody. I hope that some can connect, they understand, they agree, they'll consider looking into it. They'll just be open to the fact that uh, some of us do believe and experience. And again, I thank you. And I have a second book I'm writing on that's more about the last few years of the actual, uh, more of the spiritual connections that I've had going on, the, the um, afterlife. And didn't you mention you were working on a, a, a drama, kind of mystery drama screenplay? Is that something else? Oh, well, I'm also uh, in the process of almost done with writing a book called, um, it's Ed Gein the Musical, now the... Um, the writer, the producer, he act, dan acted. He was he played Ed Gein. If anyone's familiar with Ed Gein, he was a killer. He was the real Leatherface, uh, wasn't say. he? Yeah, he was from this Wisconsin, and he uh, he was a grave robber, necrophiliac. He uh, they did charge him with two murders, but there were up to like forty graves that he robbed, and so the film Psycho. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs were all based on him, his story. And so there was a musical done, Dan Davies, and then Will Kaiser was the musical director. Uh, it's actually, it's out now. You can get it um, 
Amazon, Hulu, Roku, and it's done very tastefully. It's not, it's been um, very respectful to anybody connected to, you know, loved ones, which most of them have probably passed on by now, but other generations. And so I'm writing it from the um, perspective of a former deputy coroner, the story of Ed Gein, what he went through, the musical uh, interviews that we did. So that hopefully will be out and will be published through Renegade Publishing, which is also Dan Davies. If you ever want to have him on and interview him or the two of us, I'm sure he'd love that. I would. Um, so that'll be out hopefully in June. And then I, as I mentioned, my second book, which is called uh, I'm Not Alone, and that hopefully will be published. And what else? There's a couple of other projects I'm not able to speak about. I am, um, I cannot. Contractually <laughs> yeah, I'm obliged sorry, because not to. Of ND. Yeah. Apps. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of uh, fun things, interesting, amazing stories that are coming out. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Donna.